Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. I don't like him in August. There was a time in my life where I didn't like him at all. But now I like him. I think the older you get, the more you enjoy him, right? Yeah, the more you enjoy him and you get behind him a little bit. And, uh, that last Christmas song the worship team played, I, many of you don't know this, but I, I uh, actually play clarinet. Yeah. Now, I'm taking you back to when I was just a wee lad, but I played clarinet for quite a while, and that was my first song that I learned how to play on clarinet. But then I went through puberty, and I realized if I keep playing clarinet, I'm not going to score a Sarah. So that's the last of the Christmas songs, I guess, that I've played. I need to learn a few. Amen? Amen. So happy that you're here. If you're here visiting, there's a card right in front of you. If you wouldn't mind filling that out, dropping it off out in the uh, foyer. My wife and I would love to be able to have that information to reach out to you. Hey, our newlyweds are back. Yeah, there they are, right there. Hi. Hope you had a great trip. And right now they're like, move along, move along. That's awesome. Okay, I won't embarrass you too much. Romans chapter 6, verse 1, please. We'll dive right in. Finishing up our series this morning on the battle of the flesh and the spirit. And uh, th this, uh, this actual text has, uh, has been on my heart for, for months. I've been reading it over and over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, I've, ser I've served the Lord for uh, better than 35 years. Uh, some of you have served the Lord longer than I've been alive. Uh, but I've come back to this text again and again because I want to be sure that I'm hearing the Holy Spirit. You know, you can just read past stuff that you've read a hundred times. But I want to be sure that I'm hearing the Holy Spirit. And, and as we look at this this morning, I want to speak specifically on assignment as God has really assigned for me to give us direction about our identity. About how sometimes we focus a little too much on what happened for us at the cross, but not enough on what happened to us at the cross what happened to you at the cross is you too were crucified and if that's something new for you this morning god bless you receive it in the name of jesus because that's what paul is talking about he's saying there's a part of you that died with christ but there's another part of you that was raised with him as well and that's the way we are to view ourselves we are not to view ourselves by any other identity but that. That we identify with the risen Savior. Amen. That is who I truly am. And there's a part of me that is dead. So I no longer associate my life with that. That part is dead. Are there moments where my flesh wants to revisit some of that stuff? Sure. But I have to remind myself of what the scripture has said. The scripture has said this, it's dead. So the solution is in the execution. And the execution is your old life, your old man. That person who you were is dead. 
And when you begin to see it that way, then the resurrection power of God can begin to work in your life. Now I'm going to say some things this morning that are going to be, they're going to be stirring to you. They're not going to be tough. You'll get it, but they're going to be stirring to you. And I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm telling you. Because there's a world out there with a lot of psychology that would like to label you. I used to do this, therefore I am a fill in the blank. No, you're not. That part of you is dead. Whew. I'm about to take up an offering for myself. Okay, so, but I'll be the only giver, okay? Romans 6.1, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. And this is the verse that I've been stirred by the most, right here, verse six. It's actually right dead center in the middle of the sentence. It says, knowing this. Come on this morning, can you say that? Knowing this. You see, the problem is, is that many believers don't know this. They don't know this. Knowing this, that our old man was, past tense, crucified with him. You see that? Jesus didn't die on the cross. That old man, that old you, did too. Hello, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we shall no longer be slaves of sin. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray this morning that, God, we would understand and know that, God, who we are is defined by whom we belong to. We belong to your son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, that part of us that we used to call me is gone. And that, God, we must be reintroduced to ourselves in Christ. That, God, we are a risen people. That we have resurrection power in our veins. That your spirit, God, has filled us unto life and there's a part of us that will never die though we linger in the flesh our flesh would like to lead us otherwise should we sin that grace may abound god we say forbid we should continue to grow by the grace of your son jesus christ into the righteousness that he would give us through the power of his holy spirit in Jesus' precious name. Everybody said, amen. amen. Uh, did a little time as a corrections officer, you know that. At the end of every sentence of an offender, this is in Indiana State prison system, uh, they have what's called a rehabilitation 
They have a facility where they're rehabilitated. The problem, the problem with rehabilitation is rehabilitation isn't regeneration. Regeneration is a brand new person. Someone else is dead. Someone else is alive. Come on. So we, we attempted to rehabilitate prisoners. And the recidivism rate then was lower than it is today. Today, I had to look this up. 44% of prisoners go back to prison within the first year because we've attempted to rehabilitate, but we never told them about regenerate. Regeneration can only be done by God. Regeneration comes from the Holy Spirit, and it changes the person from the inside out. We try to bring change from the outside in in this world today. We tell people that, listen, if you have struggled in the past with alcohol, you are a alcoholic. That's not scriptural. Now, you come wrestle me down after service all you want. It's not. Didn't I just read that part of you dead in Christ? That's not who you are anymore. See, putting on a label isn't going to get you any freer. Putting on a label isn't going to get you any free. If someone has struggled in the past with a dependency on drugs, we call them a drug addict. But that's not what Jesus calls them. Oh boy, you're quiet today. This has got you thinking a little bit, don't it? Jesus never called anybody. Listen, Jesus dealt with prostitutes and he never called anybody a prostitute. And when when he set them free from what they were doing, he didn't come back and say, now, for the rest of your life, this is your propensity. No, there is a new nature inside of Jesus Christ. My Bible says this. It says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All the old has passed away, and suddenly everything has been made brand new. We must identify, church, with Christ. The risen Christ. Because that's who you are. And there's more freedom in that than ever. You see, I want to tell you that there's an idea that we need to somehow label our flesh. And that's what we're going to be the rest of our lives. Not true. If you would have told me years ago when I got saved and came out of the the drug culture and the party culture that I'd be pastoring... I probably would have dropped dead and then God would have raised me from the dead and then I would have came back to if you would have told me all that I wouldn't have gotten it it took me some time it took me to walk with God and walk with his spirit over time to begin to be reintroduced to who I am you do not know who you are aside from Christ because you're not your maker he is would you please invite his Holy Spirit into your life to reintroduce you to you He will show you who you are in His Son, the Father, in His Son, Jesus Christ, and you will begin to meet somebody maybe you never knew. And the problem is, is we're looking for the world to tell us who that person is. We're looking to ourselves to tell us who that person is. It can only come from Jesus, the Maker Himself. So at the end of Civil War, this, this is an interesting thing. 1864, there was an invention called the Telegraph. There was a stalemate in the war. As the war went on for about four to five years, the North and the South were in stalemate. It seemed like nobody was going to be able to win the war. Uh, The largest number of casualties that the United States has ever experienced is the Civil War. Some of you are going through a Civil War in your private life. 
not with your spouse. I'm talking about you with you. There's a part of you that could win, that should win, that God says can win, but is in a, st is in a stalemate. Now don't you go playing church lady on me. A lot of you deal with this. I deal with this. Come with it now. Come clean. So, so the invention that came across that made the North begin to get the upper hand was the telegraph. Lincoln could now, with his generals, in a moment, in a moment, communicate in a way that the South could not. The telegraph allowed communication on relevant information to come very, very quickly so that they could be organized around the specific knowledge that would actually bring emancipation for the country and the slaves. It was all in the knowing this. Come on now. It was in the knowing this. You see, very, very quickly, they could have the information of freedom. They could have the information of strategy in order to fight for that freedom. The problem with the church today that is in a stalemate is there are things in the scripture that are not being communicated. There are pastors that are talking about everything else other than how to win. I just want you to be a winner, not a whiner. This is not a whiner sermon. If you showed up for a whiner sermon, you in the wrong place. If you showed up and you want to win, welcome home. This, is, this place is for you. The telegraph allowed that to happen. Now, when the slaves were set free, it took another two years. Most of those slaves went right back to their... You know the story. They went right back to their masters. Because even though there was an amendment that was even written, that was placed in law, it took a while for the states to obey. Come on. And it took a while for a whole generation, actually, to start going, even though I am free, I just don't know how to live free. And that's where we're at. That's the quandary, you know? That's the Rubicon. That's the thing that gets us hung up, is we are free. Some of you don't know that. You are. And some of you don't know that <laughs> you can live free. And so there's all kinds of things placed on our life that don't belong there. When God starts out by saying through the Apostle Paul in verse 6 of chapter 6, knowing this, that your old man was crucified. That's the execution solution. There's a part of you that you must every day remind your soul, which is your mind, right? Come on. Will, come on, and emotions. You must tell yourself, as David did, David had to command his soul even to bless the Lord. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. It was a command to his soul. You must command your mind to line up properly with what the scriptures have said to your life. You don't, looking, you don't go looking for the world to affirm what the scriptures have said. It will not do that. It's not going to do that. The world is in darkness. Your old man is crucified. Why? So that the body of sin might be done away with, so that you're no longer what? A slave, come on church, to sin. A slave to sin. Romans 6, 6 tells us that bondages can be broken, addictions and lies can be broken, but it begins with knowing this. You must know this. A label is then therefore not going to be something that sets me free. What sets me free is what Jesus said. Not what the world says. By the way, I want to help you with another level of this. I don't call myself a sinner. 
saved by grace. I've even heard preachers say that. I'm not a sinner. A sinner is someone who practices sin. And if you believe that, you're an er. <laughs> let, me, let me give you an example here. Paul never wrote to churches and addressed them as the sinners of Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. To God's church at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ, Jesus, and called saints. Called what? With all those in every place who call on the name of Jesus Christ. What do I call myself? Sanctified saint, church of God. That's me. That's my identity. I then intend to very, very intentionally live my life into what God has said over my life. Man, that's the first start. You think, well, this isn't a big deal. Let me tell you what, the devil even tried this trick on Jesus. Two out of the three temptations that Jesus faced in the wilderness were over identity. Actually, the first two were over identity. He said, if you are the son of God, wait a minute, devil. If, if, you old snake tongue slew foot, if, I bet his breath smells bad. If he is the son of God. Some people apologetically would try to argue whether Jesus had a deification or not. Let me just help you. Jesus didn't go around telling people, hey, folks, I'm God. Let me tell you the reason why. Whatever he said was what the Father had said. He did not self-identify. He allowed the Father through the Spirit to do it. And when Peter came across there at Caesarea Philippi and said, you are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. Jesus goes, blessed are you, Peter, because that was not revealed to you by man or the world, but by my Father in heaven. You see, Jesus is still waiting for you and I to get it. He's God. He's God. I want you to see this situation here. We have a moment where we begin to think about who Jesus is, and if he's God, that means that he has the ability then as God to not only change me, but transform my life. I identify then with him. Satan said, if you be the son of God, I bet you're pretty hungry right now. Transform these stones and make them bread. And I want, you to I want you to remember what Jesus did. In each of the three categories of temptation, he came back with, it is written, it is written, it is written. Now, he could have made up his own statement. He is the word, <laughs> right? But instead, he came back with what was already written. If you will just, every time you are tempted by the devil and confronted by the devil on whether or not you're a Christian, if you would just come back with the word... He'll have to flee. Second time he tempted him, he said, you know, if you're really God, did, doesn't it say something in the word about throwing yourself? If you were to ever throw yourself or fall down, angels would come and 10,000 angels would come and keep you from a fall. Throw yourself down off of this wall. Throw, just, just toss yourself over. Let's see what happens if you're God. Once again, Jesus comes back with the identity threat and he says, it is written, <laughs> thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. But he used a verse. <laughs> he didn't just say, I'm God. He says, the Bible says I'm God. 
If Jesus showed us that pattern, that is your pattern. That is my, come on now, that is my pattern. So it's all about knowing this. That's the first step. Here's the second step. We live by faith into that new identity. You say, Pastor, I don't feel like it. I don't see it yet. I don't, congratulations, join the club. It's a big club that don't feel it yet. Right? Come on. And then we get to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence right now, because it says now faith, right now of things not yet seen. So you don't see it yet, you don't feel it yet, but by faith, the Word of God says that I am walking in righteousness. So that's what I'm going to claim every time the devil comes against me and says, you know what, you're, you're a wretched sinner. No, I'm not. I'm a saint sanctified by Christ. Can somebody give God some praise in the house? Mm, come on. Yeah. Number two, here's the, or three, here's the next one. Stop, Jesus, stop seeing Jesus as the only one on the cross. Stop seeing, Jesus as the, stop seeing Jesus as the only one carrying the cross. Jesus actually said, if you're going to be my disciple, he says, you're going to have to pick up your cross and follow me. You see, you're, you're, going, to, you're, <laughs> you're going to carry a cross too. You're going to die to yourself too. Oh man, you ain't going to hear this very many places. This don't pack houses. Uh, people aren't showing up for this. What are you, what are you telling me? I got, I, you, what are you telling me? I got to get off the throne of me? You tell me, can I just tell you inside of your heart, there are only two places to be. And there's only two people that will fit. Are you with me? You got two places to be inside your heart and two people can only fit there. There's a throne and a cross. If you're seated at the throne, Jesus is still on the cross. He's not risen. And that's the, that's the message you want to hear. You want to hear because I'm seated at the throne. You want to hear that Jesus is still on the cross dying for you. But he rose. He didn't just die. Come on, man. There's more to the gospel than Jesus dying on the cross. He was buried too, and then he rose again. So if you'll get up off the throne of your heart, and you will put your old man on the cross, guess who gets to seated, be seated at the throne? Come on. Jesus. That's the right order of things. You see, I don't think you want Kool-Aid gospel, do you? I think you'd rather have the truth. The truth is, the biggest problem that most of us have, including me, is that I don't want to get up off the throne. Come on, you heard it growing up. You heard it. Oh, I'm going to offend you. Go or get off the pot. Come on. Get off that throne. You can't make the right decisions for you. But he can. He can. And see, he took your place. Therefore, you must, in following him, take his. That's the direction he went. That's the direction we go. But all the blessing and the glory that comes from that. Because you get to be free of me. <laughs> I get to be free of me. I don't like me. Hello? Am I alone in that? I'm tired of me. I want that part of me to die. Here's the struggle in it. My old man must be crucified. I want you to think this through. Be practical here. How in the world do you self-crucify? Now, now think about this. Now this is nasty, but we're going to go there, okay? I got, I got three nails, I got one hammer, I got two hands. Come on, some of you are already there. Now, let's just say I start with my, 
my legs and I run one through, you know, my legs, my feet. I got one done, one and done, come on. Then I got my, my left hand, okay, because I'm a righty, come on. I get my left hand done. Now what am I going to do with my right? Did you know even Jesus relied upon others not only to carry his cross, you know that, right? But also to be crucified. He did not trust his own flesh even though his own flesh was sinless. His flesh was sinless, but he showed us an example of not trusting the flesh in order to get the, the work and the will of the Father done. He relied on the Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit went all the way to the cross with Jesus. How else could he say from the cross, Father, into thine hands I commend my spirit. He trusted in the Spirit, in the grace, in the power of the Holy Spirit to get him through the crucifix. Come on, church. And you and I still want to run on our own steam. As if there's something I can self-discipline or self-do to my flesh to make my flesh obey. The solution is in the execution. Your flesh will not obey. Your flesh will not obey. But your spirit man will. That's why the Bible says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So the solution to dealing with the flesh issue in your life is to rely on the strength of the Holy Spirit to get it crucified. Is this, is this okay? I don't care. I'm just seeing if you're okay. Yeah, I really, I really don't care. Here's the next. I want to talk about this a little bit. So if Jesus, right, if he goes to the cross and his flesh was crucified, your flesh must be crucified too. And that's what Romans 6 is talking about. Your old man, your old identity is nailed to the cross and stays nailed there. You see, before you got saved, sin was the default. You identified with sin. You even told people things like, I'm a drinker. I'm a smoker. I'm a joker. I'm a midnight toker. You said that kind of stuff. You told people that ridiculous stuff, and you thought it was cool. Right? <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. Sorry, honey. I just, it just helped me, God. You see, I'm still dealing with my flesh, okay? <laughs> sure don't want to hurt no one. Now, you, you deal with that every day. I deal with that every day. And so we have a part of us that we used to identify with, we'd come up to people and say, I'm just angry because I'm Irish. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know? We say things like that, but that, that's not, you're identifying with the flesh and the carnal nature and the old nature is crucified. It should be dead. You don't bring it back to life by feeding it with that stuff. And so I, I want you to see that that part, is, that part is now dead. You need something to help kill it so that it remains nailed down. I want to talk to you about walking in the Spirit. I want to talk to you about what the Holy Spirit will do in your life and how it will empower you. But I want to make it very practical because I've heard so much teaching about walking in the Spirit that gets so entangled with Greek words that by the time you're done, you don't know how to do it on Monday. You just don't know, how's it, how do I flesh this out and well, spirit this out on Monday? Okay? So, so I, I want you to think about this. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, Paul says this. He says, walk in the spirit 
and you will not fulfill the lusts or the desires of the flesh. So, so I want you to see what comes first because I'm going to land the plane in this message in just a few moments that it's going to be transformative because I'm going to give you a text of scripture that I guarantee you, you've heard preached wrong, heard wrong, even recited it wrong. I just want you to be prepared for it by what I'm teaching you right now. And that's this. Notice, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lusts or the desires of the flesh. It doesn't say, deal with your flesh, get it perfect, and walk in the Spirit. Come on now. Yeah. I want you to see the right order of things. Because if the Spirit of God isn't first, and it's not your focus, even though you don't feel full of the Spirit of God, you are. People all the time come and tell me, Pastor, God can't use a dirty vessel. There aren't any other, dirt, there aren't any other vessels. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Show me one that was, that was perfectly clean. It was Jesus. That's it. That's it. God all the time is using dirty vessels. And you know what? That's, that's a real crutch because if you start thinking there's certain vessels that are clean and certain ones that don't have mixtures of issues in their life, then you'll start worshiping the man and not the, getting the message. You start putting people up on pedestals and you think they're so righteous they put their pants on just like you do. Come on. So, so the idea here is, is something must, must be dealt with, and it's the right order of things. It's putting the spirit first and then dealing with the flesh. Not going, God, I'll, I'll serve you as soon as I get rid of all these issues in my life. That's what keeps a lot of people out of church. There's a lot of people that will end up in hell because they thought their entire lives they had to find a way to please God instead of just coming to God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say something right now that I'm sure is going to make you mad, but I'm just going to help you here. Can I, can I just, the Bible doesn't teach that you have the ability to work on your own character. Now I see some people already, they're like, yeah, what's this clown talking about? The Holy Spirit is what transforms your character. The Bible teaches us that we are to walk with the Holy Spirit. You see, watch this. All I have to be concerned about is the Spirit first. And then the Spirit and the relationship I have with the Holy Spirit as I'm walking with Him begins to transform my character into the character of Christ. You don't know how to be like Jesus in your flesh. You don't know how in your flesh. But the Holy Spirit will show you Oh, pastor, you're going to have to prove it to me. Okay, Jesus said, follow me and I will make. Jesus didn't say, you make, then follow. What am I teaching? For your notes in your head. Jesus and God is the focus. It comes first. Then the transformation comes next. Well, I'll go into that church, but the day I do, there'll be a lightning bolt and the place will burn down. I hear so many things. Well, I don't have dress pants. <laughs> C- come on. I, I mean, really. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't dress right. Are, are you kidding me? We're still talking about flesh. Well, my, I, I go back from the 80s. And in the 80s, it was really bad. Yeah. 80s, it was really bad. And I had really long hair, right? And I'd come in and it's, it's like, what's that guy? You know, is, who is that guy? What is that guy? I love Jesus, man. But I love long hair. Now I'm going bald, so I can't have long hair. <laughs> But hey, I, I, I did it. You know, I came in. It's like, man, don't, don't get caught up in that. That's flesh. You say, well, you get all this straightened out, and then you can come be a part of the church. 
Baloney! Baloney! Jesus didn't tell his disciples, hey, I want you to follow me, but before you do, before you do, hey, Peter, especially you, you got an anger problem. You get that fixed, then you come walk with me. You work that out, then you come follow me. No, he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Your job is to follow. His job is to make. Can I tell you, it doesn't get easier. It gets harder this way. Because the idea of you making you yourself, you'll have pretty low standards. Right? <laughs> really low. You start following him, and as he begins to make and change, and those standards go beyond what your ability is to do. But now you're empowered to do it because you're with the Spirit of God to do it. Come on, hallelujah. Jesus was talking about the vine. He said, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. My father is the vine dresser. And Jesus started talking about how the nutrients would come through the branch, right? It would come into the branch. That's us. Now I want you to think about this. It says, every person that's connected to me will bear much fruit, right? It's just in the connection. It's in the connection. Have you connected with God at all this week? That's the issue. That's the issue. Now, what the branches do, the branches just bear the fruit. Come on. They just bear it. They don't produce it. Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit not the fruit of you, and definitely not the fruit of loom. You remember those big guys? The way things are going for me in holiday season, I'm either the grapes or the apple right now. But not the fruit of you, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Come on. It's what the Spirit produces in you. So as long as God comes first and you're walking with Him in relationship, He'll begin to convict you and change you you don't have to be so concerned of that. What you be, need to be concerned about is your distance, your proximity to his presence. Amen. How close are you to God right now? And if you think he's distant because he moved, he ain't moved. He's same yesterday, today, and forever. It's you and I that move. It's as close as you say, well, you say, well, I've sinned all week. Why haven't you repented all week? Can I tell you why? Pride. I don't want to go back and tell him one more time. I don't want to come back and confess that one more time. I'll stay over here and get it right. And I'll work it out in my self-righteousness and my own self-effort. And then I'll get back over there when I'm ready and he'll see. And I'll just stand before him and go, hello. <laughs> you know, and God's going to go, no, that's filthy rags. I'm, I've never been interested in that anyway. See, you can't produce it. So what is walking in the Spirit? I want to talk to you about what it's like to be somewhere with my wife. Now, okay, no, stay, please. Yeah, no, it's, I'm trying to honor her, her. I'm trying to bless her. And some of you, when I get around, some, listen, man, I, I'm a guy. I got a lot of growing up to do. Some of you spent some time with me, and you're like, yeah, you need to grow up a lot. I need to grow up a lot. I, I, yes, I want to be more and more like Christ. I make mistakes. So do you. Okay? But when I'm in the company of certain people, I talk different. I walk different. I act different. 
because I know who I'm with and whom I belong to. Okay? When I'm in the presence of God, I try to listen to what the presence of God is saying. And I'm conscious of God's presence. And I'm not conscious of me. I'm focused on who I'm with. That's what you do when you walk together. Yes, the Greek word is where we get cadence. Yes, cadence is a military term. Walk in the Spirit, in step with the Spirit. Yes, it's a military term. Yes, it involves discipline. But it's spirit discipline, not necessarily self. You say, does the Spirit give me self-control? Yes, but it's still the empowerment of the Spirit that does it. The closer you want to walk with the Spirit, the more your life is going to change. Let me kind of summarize some of this here. <laughs> it's all a battle of the mind. Two things and I'm done, I think. <laughs> it's all, it's the battlefields inside your mind. Okay? Right? There's the flesh, the carnal man, which that word carnal, actually, you, you ever go to a Mexican restaurant and, and do the carne? Come on. Carne asada. Carne asada. Man, you... Eric Estrada, okay, <laughs> chips, <laughs> come on, remember chip, <sighs> where are my friends, okay, man, I thought chips were cool, some of you are like, chips, do we get fish with that, what's going on, I don't understand, what... chips, <laughs> yeah, okay, carne, as carne asada, right, so, 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 uh, that's meat, it's meat, right, the carnal mind is enmity or the enemy of God. The idea of desire. Think about animals. They're after meat. They want to devour meat. James later says, why do you bite and devour one another? That's the carnal mind. There is a fleshly nature. Even though your old man is crucified and dead, there's a fleshly nature. The vestiges of that old man are still here in your physical body. Your physical body isn't necessarily evil. God is going to glorify that too. But along the way, your flesh is still sending signals to the brain that says, I want to just kill a cow and eat it. Right? Yes. I, and when it comes to whatever your temptation is, there's the idea of, I just, I just want to, I have a passion in me and I want to see it fulfilled. And I love what Jesus says. He says, don't you know that the Father wants to meet that need? So the battle that happens inside of your mind is, is do I trust the Father to meet that need or do I go out and fulfill the desire of my flesh? And can God be trusted? And every time you sin, the issue with sin is your faith or lack thereof it. The Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. So there's an issue with your faith. Can I trust God to meet that need? Or will I go self-soothe in this? Because I can't trust Him to meet that. Come on now. Yeah. And in that moment, if the desire of your heart is, Holy Spirit, I'm walking with you. I'm trusting you. Will you come and meet that need in my life? 
You'll be so full because God is first where he needs to be that the transformation now can occur. And now we get what, we, what I'm saying to you this morning is the execution is the solution. The flesh then dies and there is self-denial. You mortify, the Bible says, the flesh. Because now you're too full on what's good to desire anything else. Let me tell you about walking with Sarah. I'm married to her. <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, I'm like, <laughs> boy, did I get the better end of the deal. <laughs> I really did. I really did, okay? But uh, when I first got married, I had to recognize the old man is dead. The single man. The single man is, come on, I'm going to help you right now. Some of you are 60 years old, you ain't got this yet. When you get married, the single man is dead. The new man is married. That doesn't mean I can't cheat on my wife. That means why would I? When it's this good, man, I'm talking about what it gets you set free. When it's this good and I'm this full, there's a scripture in the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes, I think it is, maybe, yeah. It says, don't go chasing waterfalls or cisterns. Stick to your own home cistern. And there's a song. Don't go chasing waterfalls. I don't know the rest of the words. Okay. So anytime, anytime I hear that song, I think of that scripture, right? I don't want to, I'm not chasing waterfalls. Why? I got, why? I got a well. And the well runs deep. And there's plenty there that God has provided for me, you see? God has made me full. I have a full heart. I have a full spirit. I have my needs met. Now, when there's temptation, I'm like, what? Ugh. Just like when you go grocery shopping and you ate supper first. You don't go grocery shopping hungry. You big goober. You're wondering why you can't tithe. I'll tell you why. Carne asada. Carne asada. Fleshly mind. I got a $400 food bill. How'd that happen? You go grocery shopping when you're hungry. Stay full and what God has already given you and your spirit man will be full. You'll be full and you won't want to obey the lust or the desires of the flesh. Yes, there is a discipline in that and the discipline is um, the cadence, that idea of lift, 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 right, lift. That's the idea, okay? But as the Spirit's walking, I'm just staying with Him. I don't know where to go next. I don't, I don't even know what to say next in this message. Spirit says, come over here. I'm just, I'm, I feel the Spirit of God say this. And I'm, you know, I'm doing the very best that I can. And God has grace for everything else. People complicate this stuff, man. It's just, it's just being close to God and remaining close to His Spirit and letting His Spirit change you. And that battle in the mind, the thoughts begin to change. I want to test you if you really think you understand this. Here we go. Apple. How many of you are thinking of one right now? How many of you thought of a computer? I'd like you to think of an apple, Simon says. Okay, you see one right now? Did somebody bite it already? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Even though I know how this ends, I already bit the apple. Right? In the name of Jesus, do not think about an apple. 
How many are still thinking about an apple? <laughs> right? Okay, stay with me. The idea is, I got to get rid of something before, yeah, I got to get rid of that thought in my brain, in my mind. I know it's evil, I got to get rid of it. If I don't get rid of it, and then the more you try to think about it, the more you are thinking about it. And then the more you say, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And the more in self-effort, you're going to do it, you're going to do it. The more you're just going to do it. Banana. Now, some of you I know are still on Apple, but stay with me, okay? Some of you you are like, I see a banana now. The idea isn't in you eliminating. The idea is in replacing what he has. Whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure. This is in Philippians, by the way. Whatsoever things are godly, think on these things. And the last word in that is the one I use the most. It's going to help you. Whatsoever things are praiseworthy. You know, all the time when I get tempted in my mind, I immediately find ways to praise God. Right in the middle of a nasty thought. And I know some of you don't have them at all. That's because you're about dead. You can find it in the text. It says, he that has died has ceased from sin. Only dead people don't sin anymore. If you're breathing, you can be tempted in your mind. Now, I'm trying to tell you how it works. You replace it with what God has in his presence and his spirit. You don't go, I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of that. I'm going to get rid of it. Because the more you try to get rid of that, guess what? The more you're going to think on it. And the more it's going to be apple, 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 apple. Now, right now, think of the first hug you get from Jesus. Oh, man. You see what I'm talking about? Noble, praiseworthy, true, just. Think of the first time you hear his voice and you see him face to face. You know what beats a lot of temptation in my life? That's, what, that's my go-to. Right in the middle of it, it's like, oh, Jesus. You're going to pick me up when you hug me. And I wouldn't let any other man do that. But I'm excited you're going to. I'm going to look into your eyes. You could call me son. I'm going to hear well done. Oh, I don't need anything now. Come on, my my, my cistern's full. You're not selling me anything, devil, that's going to top that. Now, I told you I would end with kind kind of an idea, another scripture that would help us with this. I want to give it to you, and then we'll, we'll, just, we'll just pray, okay? But you're going to pray with the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to pray for you. I can't do God's work. You have to do it. He has to do it through you. I can't do it. He's doing it. John 3, 30. John 3, 30. John the Baptist, man, he had it right. Filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. In the womb. This guy had it in the womb. Lived a perfect life, right? Nah. Jesus comes along and says, Among those born of women, no greater. Didn't produce one honking miracle. What you talking about, Jesus? How is he greater than Elijah? How is he greater than Elisha? How is he greater than these Old Testament prophets? He was greater in that his life was lived into preparing a way for Jesus. 
and you say, well, that's just Jesus coming to the earth in the first advent. Did you know that you are the ones that prepare the way for Jesus to return? You are the John the Baptist right now. Jesus said there's none greater. I'm going to show you something here. You remember I taught you something about order? The order of things? John 3.30. You've heard it preached wrong. You've heard it said wrong. You've even said it wrong. I've said it wrong. We've gotten the order mixed up. I've even said it to myself before. I must decrease so that he might increase. That is not what the verse says. That's not the order. God, I'm going to be over here, and I'm going to deal with my flesh, and I'm going to make sure my flesh stays crucified. And yes, Lord, I won't be able to nail that last nail down, (laughs) but I'll get two out of three, God, and you'll be pleased with me. That's not what John says. Here's what he says. He must... God, please help me. Please help me. He must increase. Come on. But I must decrease. The only way I decrease is if he first increase. When I begin to praise God and worship God, even in the midst of feeling wretched, He increases. And then my flesh and my focus on myself and my idea of self-effort, my idea of self-reliance, my idea of religion decreases. And he increases. And as a result of increasing him, my flesh, come on, church, decreases. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Give him some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. what most people say I'll decrease then God will want me God doesn't want you because you're lovely you ain't God doesn't want you because you know how to love him you don't the first commandment everyone in this room is broken starting with me and I'm the chief sinner of it love the Lord your God with all your heart It starts there, and we've broken it. He doesn't love you because you're lovely, or that in a lovely way you kept his commandments to love him. God loves you because he is love. He loves you because of Jesus. (laughs) When he looks at you, and you're relying on his spirit, and you're falling upon Jesus to get through what you're going through, The father looks down and says, I love you because I love my son and God is love. That's why he loves you. Not because you, because you pastor a small church over on Ash Avenue. Because he doesn't love you because you decided to tithe today. He he doesn't love you because, you know what, you've had a pretty good week and for the most part you haven't blown it. (laughs) Come on. He loves you because he is love. That's his nature. And once you get that inside of your spirit and and you encounter his love, there is no substitute. What keeps us turning to the world into sin what keeps us from lifting ourselves up off the cross 
is we have these moments where we don't think he loves us at all and that he couldn't possibly desire us. What more could he have done in sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die in such a way that his arms were open to you and I? What more could he have done to tell you he loves you? What more? You say, Pastor, I have had a big old sinny week. Well, let me remind you of what his son told Peter. Peter said, how many times am I supposed to forgive, Lord? Seven? Because <laughs> that'd be enough, right? That's a good Hebrew number, seven. Jesus goes, no. <laughs> the point isn't the number. The point is more than you could probably think you could in a day. How about 70 times seven? Now, if... If God is saying that's what he's calling us and empowering us to do, how much more do you think God's going to forgive you every honking day of your life? If you're not turning to him for forgiveness, you are really missing out. Why do that to yourself? Why not just say, wait a minute, this isn't about my performance and doing it on my steam. You know what? This is just about being with you and walking with you and loving on you and letting you handle those things in my life. Would you stand with me in prayer? Just going to ask you this morning to, uh, to do something that Christians do. Repent. That's what Christians do. Believers repent. Believers not only say, I'm sorry, Lord, but they say, I want to turn from it, but God, I'm going to trust you in what to turn to. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this area of my life. Can, can, you, can you hear this morning, I am conscientiously not mentioning any particular sins? Do you know I've went out of my way to do that? Because you need to hear the Spirit. 